Brian said that a lot of you know me. I'm getting a tremendous amount of reverb. I don't know if that's... Um, that chance to... Yeah, we've, come, we've been coming here for a couple years. And there's something that I need to tell you. Um, those of you who know me or think you know me... Um, Most of you know that on the, on the Tenon side, my last name, Tenon, is Italian. So my heritage on, my, on the Tenon side is Italian. But I want to talk about briefly about my heritage on the Stan side. In Central Asia, there's a whole group of nations whose their, their names end with Stan. There's Pakistan, there's Uzbekistan, there's Afghanistan, there's different tribal areas, Loristan, Baluchistan. The stan on the end of it just means the, the land of. So Baluchistan is the land of the Baluch tribe. Pakistan is the land of the Pak tribe. So the stan just means land of. Well, it turns out that on the stan side, I have some relatives. And when I was in Turkey a couple of years ago, I, I made a little side trip and went to visit my, my, uh, my, uh, my ancient homeland, Stanistan. <laughs> now, can you bring that picture up? <laughs> That's me. Um, hmm. I think that's I think that's me there. Anyway, okay, that's that that was made for um, uh, uh, tourism. That was a poster made from tourism. That was actually that was actually picture was taken at my inauguration because I, while I was there, I was chosen to be king. So I am I am king of Stanistan. Just, just happen to have a crown with me? When I, what, huh? I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to live with it for a little bit. When they chose me to, the king, to be king, I said, well, what all does this entail? And they said, well, you get a crown. I said, a crown? Wow, it's good to be the king. And they said, you'll get the adoration of all your subjects. And you saw a lot of my subjects there. And I said, ooh, I get all this adoration from all these people. That's good. It's good to be the king. There's a palace. I'm going, I get a palace? Wow, it's good to be the king. And then I was told that this being an Asian country, I get a harem. And I said, I get a harem? Wow, is it good to be the king? Now, some of you are probably a little concerned. <laughs> what you're dealing with is jealousy. That feeling, that agitation that you're feeling is jealousy. You're going, wait a minute. How does he get to be a king? I don't get to be a king. How does he get a harem? We haven't worked out the details on that one yet. Uh, we're still in negotiations with Adele. 
um, which are not going really well, by the way. You might make that a matter of prayer. People are saying, well, he gets to be a king. I want to be a king. Why can't I be a king? And the women are, why can't I be a queen? Well, you are. Now, you don't get to have your own country named after you. But you're still a sovereign in your own right. And the territory that you are sovereign over is your own heart. You are a king. You are a queen. You are a sovereign. But the big question is, can a king or a queen be a sincere Christian? If you're a king, I mean, it's like, hey, this, it's good to be the king. It's good to be the queen. You get to, you know, you get to get what you want. You always get what you want. But can a sovereign be a good disciple of Jesus? And that's what I want to look at this morning. There's a lot of material in the Bible and the New Testament about discipleship and about being a good disciple that we could look at. But this is part of a series that's coming out of the Gospel of Luke. And today's, um, today's text is the Lord's Prayer that's in Luke 11. Now, I want us to recite the Lord's Prayer. Before you look at anything, just, okay, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Why don't you turn to Luke 11. In the section about the, um, uh, the, the so-called Lord's Prayer appears in Matthew and Luke. The actual prayer itself starts in verse 2 and only lasts a couple verses. Everybody there? Luke eleven two. One of his disciples comes to him and says, teach us to pray. Because Jesus was praying a lot and this disciple said, Teach us to pray. Because Jesus wasn't praying the way all the Pharisees prayed. He wasn't doing all the formal prayers. He wasn't doing the showy stuff. He was, had like a serious relationship with his father. And so the disciples were going, teach us to do that. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, does anything jump out at you? First thing that jumps out at me is like, where's the rest of it? It's like, there's a whole bunch of it missing. Luke's probably is closer to the original wording. Matthew's is probably expanded a little bit. And a hint of that is Luke says, our father. No, nobody flinched, right? When we started this, everybody said, Our Father. Look how this one starts. Father. Luke's, or Matthew's version is for like a corporate worship. Luke's is very, very personal. You're talking to your Father. This is very, this is very, very focused. There's no, there's no substantial difference between them as far as what they actually teach us about what Jesus said about prayer and what our standards and our desires should be. But Matthew says an expanded version of it. 
But it's not long. Even Matthew's version isn't long. Most of you have committed it to prayer a long time ago. But I want to think about this because when you memorize something, you can repeat it off and not think about it anymore. How many of you were deeply, seriously thinking about what you were saying when I asked you to recite the Lord's Prayer? I'd be surprised if there's one. If there's one person back there. It's just in there. We just, we just repeat it. It's just, and we don't even think about what we're saying. Well, I want to change that. I want to look at that this morning. I want to think about this for a minute. First of all, what is it? Is it a formula that has to be repeated word for word or it doesn't count? It doesn't stick somehow unless you say it in the King James? Or is it a model? doesn't appear to be, have meant to, that it was meant to be repeated verbatim. Exactly that, only that, nothing else. It appears to be a model. He was giving them a model. Approach prayer in this fashion. It's almost like an outline or like almost like a general template or something. So that's one thing. And another thing is, it's the prayer for the disciples. Jesus didn't need to pray this prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. Everybody knows it as the Lord's Prayer, but it's really, he's talking to us. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's talking to you when he says this. But it's a prayer that was to be used by Jesus' disciples, and it doesn't say anything about being used for us kings and queens. How's that going to work? There's a problem here. And this prayer exposes it. Think about it for a minute. When do we pray? In general, when do we pray? What are the usual circumstances? Hmm? We want something, right? If life is going on just great and the sun's shining and the car's running and there's no problems and the bills are paid, we're practical atheists. For the most part, we live as though there is no God. Or am I the only one that... <laughs> I suspect not. We go looking for God when we want something. You want something. I want something. So let's look a little bit closer. Look at the actual text. You can divide Matthew's version, but also this one, into two basic parts. The first one is God-focused. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's God-focused. Then the second part is the human needs and petitions that come after that. And notice which section comes first. What's the highest priority? Jesus is telling his disciples then and through his word, us, now, God comes first. You need to have your, your understanding of God and your relationship with God straight in your head and understand who you're talking to before you go on to, oh, and by the way, I want this and this and this and this and this. 
And there's the conflict, crystal clear. What's it going to be? Is it going to be my kingdom come? Or is it going to be thy kingdom come? This conflict plays out every day in our lives. Comes around in a thousand different ways. Is it going to be my kingdom or God's kingdom today in this situation? It's good to be the king. We get to do what we want. That's what kings and queens get to do. But in something as simple as this prayer, just these few lines of the prayer, something is exposed in us that is not pretty. And the issue is our sovereignty is challenged. Do you understand what I mean? Let me give you an example. And it happened this morning. Now, I am seriously strung out. Yeah, I just I want, I want you to know where I'm coming from. I'm like almost shaking. I got about three or three and a half hours of sleep last night. I tr- struggled with insomnia, and last night was a bad, bad night. I didn't go to bed to stay in bed until about 3.30 in the morning and got up at 6.30 to work on this sermon to finish it. And I was playing on the worship team this morning. So I'm dealing with all that. You know, trying to, and I'm, I was practicing yesterday and working on the songs, and you know, I couldn't quite get that part. You know, so I'm just kind of, so it's like I'm watching the clock and I'm working on the sermon, and it's just like, okay, I'm out of time. I got to go. Grab my guitar and out the door. And I'm driving it. Now, I left about almost 10 minutes later than I wanted to, and you probably know where this is going. How many times does somebody slow get in front of you when you're late? <laughs> almost. Always. It's like it's done on purpose. That's just the shape of the universe. So I'm looking at the clouds. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to get there just a few minutes and I'm gonna, I won't even have time to go to the bathroom. I'm just going to walk in and unpack. You know, and I'm going to have to teach. And I'm going to just. And there's this guy, putt, 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 putt. You know what he was doing? He was driving the speed limit. I wanted to drive faster than the speed limit. And he wouldn't let me drive faster than the speed limit. And I was instantly angry. If I was um, not as tired, I might have been able to uh, absorb that a little bit better. But when you're right on the edge, you know, boy, it doesn't take anything to push you over the edge. And I was like this far away from, you know, roaring around the guy. So finally he turns off. I got around him and I'm coming down the road and there's a bicyclist. <laughs> who's even slower than the guy was just behind. Something really ugly is exposed right there. I'm a king. I want what I want. And he wasn't letting me get it. And I'm angry. I was angry with him. Now, I could take some solace in the fact that if he knew that I was the king of Stanistan, <laughs> if he knew who the person was that he was holding up, he probably would have pulled over. But, I mean, he was a commoner. It, 
in his ignorance, I had to find some grace in my heart to not have him executed. Another example, yesterday, this has just not been a good week. I just saw a pattern developing here. I had to drop off a book for my wife at the Newark Library, and I walk in, and I dropped off, no, I had to pick up a book, that's what it was. I had to pick up a book, and I saw a young man there who used to be in my church, and he's one of those downtown guys who's emotionally disturbed, is heavily medicated, has been in trouble with the law, psychologically, I don't know what else happened to him, but he's just got a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And I saw him before he saw me. And I ducked down. Man, how lame is that? I ducked down between the aisles and hid. You know, I'm doing, you know, I'm like, you know, here's the aisle I'm going. <laughs> you know, because if he sees me doing that, then he knows that I'm trying not to be, you know, just, and I'm standing back there and I keep looking to make sure that he's not coming my direction. And he starts coming my direction. I'm like stuck on the end of this aisle. And he's standing on the other end of the aisle. And it's like, I can't get by. I can't. I'm trapped. And then the absurdity of the whole thing struck me. I thought, this is, this is absurd. This is so lame. You know why? Because there's somebody that God put in my life. And he needs help. And I didn't want to be bothered. I just didn't want to be bothered. I had my own schedule. I had my time laid out. I knew what I wanted to do. And it didn't include helping an emotionally and psychologically disturbed person who's probably going to ask me for something. How sad is that? But it exposes something. It exposes the sovereignty mindset. And there was a clear case of God saying, is it going to be, Stan, is it my way, my kingdom, or thy kingdom? Because there's no question what God would have me do. No question. So I got my head together and I walked up and said, hey, I thought I heard your voice, which was kind of lying, but... This sort of stuff happens all the time in all of our lives. What's it going to be? My kingdom come, my will be done, or is it going to be thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Every single day we're exposed to our own visions of glory, even if you don't have a crown. I just became very aware of how stupid this probably looks. couple other examples. Maybe you won't forgive somebody who's offended you. They have offended your royal personage. Maybe you're checking out some stuff on the computer that really isn't in line with your claim to be a Christian. Why are you doing it? Because you want to. We want what we want. We want what we want. That's the bottom line. That's why we want to be sovereign, so we can do what we want to do, when we want to do it.
We could, I could do that all day. I could take, we, could, we could share. We could spend the rest of the day sharing. <laughs> the prayer, this prayer exposes some really ugly stuff in our hearts if we'll pay attention to what we're actually saying. When you pray something, you're expressing, supposedly expressing your will and your desire. Is this what you really desire? When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you mean it? Frequently, I don't. Can we actually pray this sincerely? Is this what you really want? If this is really what you want for God's kingdom to come on the earth, where do you think is a really good place for that to start? In your life, your home. You're not responsible for the rest of the world, but you can bring the kingdom of God closer to its completion just by taking it seriously. And we don't do it. Not consistently. Everybody, everybody's memorized this prayer and nobody hears it. Let's put it this way. I'm going to expand it a little bit. Can you say, your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done in my life. Because that's what you're saying. It just isn't phrased. It just isn't spread out that way. That's what you're asking. That's what you're saying. Can you actually, can you actually say that with sincerity of heart? That's what you really want? Can you stand for God and say, I will bring my life into your kingdom. I will bring my life under your authority. I will submit. Sovereigns don't like to submit. That's the whole point of sovereignty. It's good to be the king, right? It's good to be number one. Everybody else is looking up to you. You order everybody else around. Asking a sovereign to bow their knee is a humiliation. But that's what we're being asked to do. Now, now that we've seen what this prayer really is, it's a disciple's prayer. The demands that it places on us, it's an obvious question. How often should we be praying this type of prayer? I want to read you a short excerpt out of a very early Christian work called the Didache. This is written about the time of John's gospel. This is really, this is the end of the first century. John's gospel, John's letters are about this time. This is extremely early Christian stuff. And they talk about, in here, they talk about, this writer talks about this prayer. Listen to what they have to say. Pray as the Lord enjoined in his gospel. Thus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Say this prayer three times a day. This is a, the Didache is a church manual. Here's how you do baptisms. 
Here's how you deal with traveling preachers. Here's a section on, on how you deal with prayer. There's a section here on how to do the Lord's Supper. It's a window into the ancient church. It's fascinating. Did you notice that the version that was given here was the one out of Matthew's gospel? It's corporate, and it's also, for those who think the Matthew's gospel was written far, far later, it's being quoted in a work about A.D. 100. Matthew's gospel was already in existence and was well-known and was authoritative because it's being quoted right here. Pray this prayer three times a day. What would that do in your life if you actually, I mean, actually prayed this prayer three times a day? What would that do in your life? You know, I cannot count the number of times when God has caught me on something and I'll go, yeah, that's just pride. That's just pride. I need to take the crown off. I just need to take the crown off. You know what happens the next day? And something else happens. Oh, you're right. Okay. Then pretty soon it's back on again. Would it help if you were reminded three times a day that you're not God? It helped me. No need to get legalistic about it, but there's some wisdom out of the ancient church. But it's meaningless if you don't mean what you're saying. If you're not thinking about what you're saying, it's meaningless. You're just, going, you're just being religious. So Jesus himself, when he's asked about prayer, teaches that when we approach God in prayer, we need to remember that we need to have something straight in our minds. We need to remember who we're talking to. He is not impressed with your crown. When you approach God, the sovereign Lord, your knee needs to bend. Your crown needs to come off. And once you've got that straight, then you're going to find him more open to listen to what you've got to say and ask for. So, my fellow sovereigns, kings and queens in your own little kingdoms, fellow rebels, I'm going to get on my knees. It's a universal sign of surrender and submission. I'm going to get on my knees as a sign of my submission. I'm going to get on my knees as a way of stating, not my will, but thy will be done. And I'm going to remove my crown. I'm sure he's really impressed with this crown. But I'm going to remove this crown as a sign of my submission to the king. And I'm going to pray, I'm going to kneel up here, and I'm going to pray the disciples' prayer as meaningfully as I can do it as thoughtfully as I can do it, as a sign of my submission to the king. And I invite you to join me, those of you who feel you need to. And if you need to, you can even borrow my crown. Worship team.